0: I may please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, and we'll begin reading today verse number 30. Luke chapter 4 and verse 30. You know, it is a great privilege to think that for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been partaking of that particular ordinance, the Lord's Supper, to be included in such a sacred tradition. It's no small thing. It's no small thing. It's a great privilege. Luke 4, verse number 30. And today I'd like to speak to you about this topic. The name of the sermon is Greater Is He. And if you're familiar with your Bible, you know where I'm taking that from. In 1 John chapter 4, John is discussing the spirit of truth and the spirit of air. And he's telling us how to recognize the difference between those two spirits. And in a very famous verse... First John 4, verse 4, he says, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. So the greater one that is in us, obviously, is the Spirit of God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ in spiritual form living in us. And He is greater than the spirit of error, of, of delusion, of lies that is in the world. And I believe this story really brings that truth to the forefront Greater is He. Let's begin reading together verse number 30. But He, passing through the midst of them, went His way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at His doctrine, for His word was with power. Which is to say that the other preachers in the synagogues in those days did not preach with power. They preached the opinions of men. They would say things such as, I think it means this, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Jesus rather stood up and said, The Bible says. God told me to say. And He came across as absolute truth. And the people were blown away at the authoritative power or the powerful authority. Either way you want to look at it, the, the power of His Word was astonishing to them. In verse number 33, And in the synagogue there was a man. Now bear in mind, we learned this previously, Jesus, as his custom was, every Sabbath day, he was in the synagogue. And once he began his public ministry, he was the one that would teach or preach in these various synagogues. That leads us into this story. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, it is obviously a man who is vocalizing these things, but it is also obviously a devil speaking through that man. Verse 35, And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. If I can update the English, shut up. (laughs) Hold your tongue, man, stop it. Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? I love that part. We should always be blown away, astounded at the power of the word of God. What a word is this, for with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. May I ask you at this point, bow your heads with me, let's pray and just ask for God's help and blessing on the sermon father as always we run to you now quickly we need your help father no matter how much studying i do preparation there goes in if your spirit doesn't come down and work in the hearts of people then our labor is but in vain please help us this morning speak to our hearts we know greater is he that abides in us than he that is in the world we know that make that truth more real to us today than ever before We ask for your help and your blessing, your presence, in Jesus' name, amen. This is the first time in the Gospel of Luke we come to a story such as this. First time in this Gospel we read about Jesus casting out a devil. Now for you and I, if you've been around the Bible much, you're very familiar with the fact that Jesus was able to do this. But maybe put yourself back 2,000 years, reading this Gospel for the very first time, This, this story is going to astound you because all throughout the Old Testament, no one did this. The other miracles that Jesus did, cleansing a leper, raising the dead, healing the sick, all of those things were done in the Old Testament. But this particular miracle, no one ever did it. The closest you come to reading something like this is when Saul, King Saul was affected by that unclean, that evil spirit. And then he called for David to play the harp. And the Bible says that evil spirit would depart from him. That's as close as you come. And that is not the same thing as what you read about Jesus doing. This obviously blew them away. We can see that from their reaction in verse number 36. Because now someone in the natural realm, they can see Jesus. He looks like any other man. Someone in the natural realm has power. To bring about changes in the spiritual realm. By simply saying the word. This raised obviously some questions. And also some answers at the same time. Where has this been? Why have we not seen this? And this man is not only able to affect things in the natural. He can calm the waves. He can heal the sick and cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. These are physical things. But he can, he can peek behind the curtain of the natural into the spiritual he sees what's going on behind the curtain of the natural and can move things and change things in that spiritual realm. The people walk away realizing this is more than just any prophet that we've seen before. They would have recognized I think a connection with Moses and I'll tell you why. Moses prophesied that one day there would be a prophet like unto himself that would, God would raise up to speak to the nation of Israel. Not a prophet like all the others, but a very special, unique prophet. You know that every time Moses would raise that rod and a plague would come down on Egypt, each one of those plagues overthrew one of the, one of the gods of Egypt. All ten plagues. There was a separate god that the Egyptians worshipped. And every time, that that particular plague, whether it was frogs or flies or the first... There was a God that would walk away in shame, if you will, from Egypt. Moses had power over these false gods, these devils. And again, not the same miracle. It's not that Moses said, cast him out and out he went. But I believe this shows to the people that Jesus is that prophet like unto Moses. Now, these kind of stories, I must admit, they leave a lot of folks scratching their heads, and I I believe there's a good reason that these stories kind of go past us quickly. We read them, we acknowledge them, but what do we do with these stories? How do they apply to us? How can we find ourselves in this passage today? Are there any of you here that maybe you're tempted to stand up right now and say, leave me alone? (laughs) And here's your chance. <laughs> what would that prove? <laughs> How do we find some personal application in this? And I think in today's world, sadly, there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to the spiritual realm. This is part of the reason on Thursday nights I've been giving you that series of lessons. And I really encourage you folks to take to partake of that series. It's, it's been helpful to me and I know to some others. But I think there's some mistakes that get made when we're dealing with the spiritual realm. And it kind of goes to two extremes. On, on one side, you have a gross abuse of the truth that there is a spiritual realm. People will acknowledge it. Yes, there are spiritual things moving about. But then they create mythology, if you will. They just make up stories to explain these spiritual things, which is what you find primarily in witchcraft, ancestor worship, Which, by the way, is not an African thing. You don't own that. Ancestor worship is all over the world. White people do it too in other places, right? Some of them even here. It happens. But when witchcraft and ancestor worship and those type of things start to happen, people claim that natural events are being manipulated by spiritual beings, but there's no evidence to back up that story. How could they know those things? They are just making up the story, and then forcing you to believe it through fear. Yeah. And by the way, it's not limited to witch doctors. You even find some Christian groups that do the same thing. They will look at a natural event, that I'm saying an event that happens before our eyes, and then offer an explanation using the spiritual realm to say this good thing or this bad thing happened because in the spirit world we tapped into this or that. They've even created a term for it. They call it white witchcraft. And this is an abuse of the truth that there is a spiritual realm. One of the blessings of having a Bible, we say, what a word is this? You know why we say that? Because it gives us structure for our belief system that there is a spiritual realm and it operates in this way and not that way. We don't have to make anything up. Now there's another extreme, I think, and that is to say... There is no spiritual realm. And this has come about, especially in the last two, three hundred years, rationalism. You know? If something happens in the natural realm, it is always caused by something else in the natural realm. And that's going too far the other way, to say that everything has a natural explanation. Folks, the spiritual can affect the natural. Amen. Yeah. If you believe the very first verse in the Bible, then you have to amen what I just said. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's the spiritual affecting the natural. So that's a very simple, basic, uh, biblical truth. It's going too far to say every time I'm sick, or every time I'm having what the world might call a mental episode, I'm going through emotional turmoil. Listen, sometimes it can be a natural thing, but there are other times that there is a spiritual reason that you're going through those things. One thing I can say for sure is the devil wants to keep us ignorant of those things. We say, what a word is this? Because when Jesus shows up, he gives us a peek behind the natural curtain. He allows us to see how that spiritual realm works. On Thursdays, I will delve into this deeper. I would like to just for a couple of moments now give you a quick list. These are biblical things that you will find happening with someone who is, I want to say, possessed or affected by a devil. Right? Because the language of this, sometimes people get lost in the language. Are you possessed? Are you oppressed? Suppressed? Impressed? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Call it what you want. You have been affected by and may be infected by something from the spiritual realm. Well, if somebody has an unclean spirit, to whatever degree, how would that manifest? I'm going to give you some biblical manifestations of somebody bothered by a devil. A bad temper. Acts chapter 19. Somebody has a really bad temper. And he has that because he's filled with the devil. Massive mood swings. Up one day, down the other, massively. Saul with David is evidence of this. And it was because of an evil spirit. You're angry at God because you didn't get your way. That can be caused by an unclean spirit listen to this one exaggerated self-humiliation exaggerated self-humiliation we read about some people in the bible having devils in them and they cut themselves they cry out they dwell among the tombs we would maybe In a milder sense, right, those are extreme cases. In a milder sense, we would see it manifested as somebody beating themselves up. Going, I'm no good. I'm absolutely useless. I'm worthless. That is an exaggerated form of self-humiliation. Why are you putting yourself to those sorts of pains? That's not natural. I'll give you another one. Rebelling... Against the clearly revealed Word of God, choosing rather to live by human reason. Say, Pastor, where do you get that? Jesus says, I am going to die. I will be crucified. Three days later, I'll rise from the dead. Peter says, Not so, Lord. He rebuked the Lord. The Bible says that. He rebuked the Lord. Not so, Lord. Why? Why did Peter say, Jesus, you're not going to die? Because Peter likes him. He loves him. Peter doesn't want to see any bad thing happen to his friend. One of, the trick, one of the most subtle tricks of the devil is to get you to take your best human intentions and emotions and run them contrary to the revealed Word of God. He savors the things that be of men, not the things that be of God. What was Jesus' response to Peter's plea? Not so, Lord. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Being blinded to the light of the gospel. The Bible said it's the God of this world. Little g, little g, the devil, can blind the minds of them which believe not. Some people can hear about the death, burial, and resurrection and go, I don't get it. What's the big deal about that? Okay, yeah, fine, he did it, but so? I'll give you another one. Living in a constant state of torment and fear. So much so, that In some cases, afraid to get out of bed. I don't even want to know what's going to happen today. They become absolutely cynical about life. I'll give you one. We studied it this morning in our Bible study hour. Wandering from house to house gossiping. The Bible calls that devilish behavior, that you have turned aside after Satan. You see, Hollywood has kind of ruined us, right? We think if somebody is possessed or infested or affected by a devil, that their head is going to spin around and you know, their eyes are going to flash red and they'll spew green. You know, they, you've watched too many movies. Listen to this one. I'm going to take it right from our text. Verse 33 In the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. Somebody that has a devil in them can show up to a religious gathering. Even a church. Even a church. Sobering thought, isn't it? Sobering thought. say, Pastor, now you're starting to scare me because I'm at church. Are you trying to intimate, even in the small, smallest way, that this might be me? I'm going to let you and the Holy Spirit work that out. But I'll say this, the story that we have today is given to us to show us beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ is far above all principality and power and dominions and rulers of darkness and all of that The story is given to us not to make us fear the spiritual realm, but to show us that we can overcome any fiery dart that the adversary would throw our way. It's not to say that we in and of ourselves can figure it out, but that if we will rely on the powerful, authoritative word of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need not fear what any unclean spirit might bring our way. What a word is this. It protects us, it delivers us, it prepares us for dealing with our adversary, the devil. I'd like to show you three quick things from verse number 34. As I say on Thursday night, we're going much deeper into this topic, but let's just use our text today. Verse 34 says, this man with an unclean devil saying, let us alone. Let us alone, thou. Uh, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? So, my first point a man who is bothered by, in this case, possessed with an unclean spirit, he doesn't mind being religious, but he doesn't like the idea of Jesus. And I've, I've already, already alluded to this, he doesn't mind going to church. But he doesn't like the idea of a real relationship with Jesus. Because here is the actual Jesus, the Son of God, coming down, coming close. And this man with this devil inside of him starts to feel a strange pressure that he probably hadn't felt before. It's one thing to go to synagogue every Sabbath and just go through the motions and the rituals of religion. It's a whole other thing. When God, the Holy Ghost, makes his way down the aisle and taps you on the heart and says, I want to get closer to you. Notice how he says, let us alone. I scratched my head over that phrase for most of the week. Let us alone. But it's clear from the next verse, there's only one devil in this man. Let us alone. You know what this tells me? There was that man, Gary, I'm not pointing at you. (laughs) I'm pointing at those empty chairs. (laughs) there was that man with that unclean spirit in him. There were probably other people in the same synagogue that also had a devil in them, so that one devil could speak on behalf of all the devils in the room saying, you're bothering us, leave us alone. (laughs) Let us alone. To bring it down to that individual, leave me alone. I have often found this in the ministry the reaction that you get from religious people when you offer them a personal relationship with Christ is, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about this. Religion's private. Stop pressuring me. Stop forcing me. Don't twist my arm. Is there anything in the text that would indicate Jesus was singling this man out? Is there any any reason to think that he was pressuring this man any more than anyone else in the synagogue? No. No. He was there simply preaching the truth. He was preaching the Word with power. That's, that was his way of doing it. We saw last, what was it, last week or the week before, he opens the Bible, he reads the text, he says this is what it means. But the typical reaction you'll get from religious people is I don't want anything to do with this. I have found kind of two cases. There's a really bad case and then a milder case. The really bad case is stay completely away from me. I don't ever want to hear this again. I don't ever want to go back to that church. Don't ever come and try to hand me a track. Somebody knocks on their door, sir, I'd like to speak with you about Jesus. Slam! And they just, they don't want to hear anything about the Lord. There's a milder version of this though where people say, okay, I've heard what you have to say, but listen, I have my way of following the Lord please don't try to pressure me into getting more involved with Christ. We're not trying to pressure you into doing anything. We're trying to give you an opportunity. We're trying to, as best we can, as human beings, as vessels, as best we can, we're trying to open the Word of God and show you the real, the biblical Jesus so that you can get as close to Him, closer to Him than you've ever been. That's not an attempt to single anyone out. That's not an attempt to twist your arm and manipulate you into the church. That's trying to develop something real. We're not picking on you. We're trying to help. But somebody who is being affected by an unclean spirit will often misinterpret that reaching out as you're trying to bother me. What do we have to do with you? I don't want to have anything to do. A mild case, I'll do a little bit. But listen, don't ask any more of me. They draw the line. I'm just guessing here. I think this is a safe guess. This man probably sat through other Sabbath services. And I seriously doubt he ever cried out like this before. Right? I think that's a safe guess. I don't, I don't have a verse for that, but I think that's safe to say. He sat through many church services. Who knows? He might have grown up going to synagogue. But this was the first time that in the middle of the service, he jumped up and cried out, let us alone. Now, folks, what if that happened this morning? What if somebody stood up and said this? What would you think he means? Leave us alone. You would think that that person is talking to the preacher saying, stop preaching to us. Right? And I think that is a little bit of what's going on here, but it's much deeper than that. You know not everybody is going to go through those kind of they're not going to go to those lengths. When the devil wants to be he can be very subtle. This isn't subtle, is it? This is in your face, loud the whole synagogue heard it. Sometimes the devil can be very subtle. And you know what? You don't like what's being said, you don't like what's being offered, but you'll hold that in because you're a decent human being. <laughs> you'll wait till you get to the car park. Or maybe even to the restaurant or to the house and then start chirping about what was said I think at the end of the day it could still be the work of something wrong in the spiritual realm happening there what was the difference this day a spirit-filled man stood up and preached the Bible made it very clear the spirit-filled man in this case obviously Jesus and made it very clear I'm here to present myself make myself available for people And that devil knows even the man in which he inhabits. Jesus is there to save him. And the devil will do anything he can to keep that human being as far away from Jesus as he can be. One of the best things you can do for your spiritual life, please listen to this, expose yourself to as much spirit-filled biblical preaching as you can. As soon as you feel something in you that says, you know what? You don't need that much of that. You've had enough of that. So you can lay out and lay out and lay... You know what? Chances are, that's not the Holy Spirit telling you, you don't need more of Jesus. Can I point something out to you? Another thing, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Point two, here it comes. Art thou come to destroy us? In other places, in other situations the devil or devils in a person would say, have you come to torment us or destroy us before the time? Devils knew. Unclean spirits know the plan of God. And, and I'm not saying they're omniscient. They're not God. They don't know everything. They don't know what you're thinking. Okay. But they do know because they have chosen to rebel against God, they know their end is to be destroyed. They know that. They know, listen, they're situation is absolutely hopeless. There's nothing they can do to change that. This devil is asking, have you moved up the timetable? Are you here to destroy us now? We thought we had a few thousand more years to enjoy our time of rebellion. Is it now? A devil can't be saved. Its fate is sealed and it will eventually be destroyed. You know how that might affect you? That thinking of that devil might just leak into your thinking. And it would manifest like this in a a pessimistic attitude, a cynical attitude about life to say no matter what I do, it is going to turn out bad. And no matter how much I try, it doesn't matter. I will end up in a mess. I will be destroyed. So why bother trying? There's no happy outcome to my life. There's no way this could turn out right. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Right? We believe that verse on behalf of everybody else. (laughs) But do you believe that about you? Do you believe that by applying this powerful word of Christ that things can actually change for the better in your life? Because what will happen, the devil who comes to steal, to kill and destroy, right? That's, that's his plan. Why is he so bent on destruction? Because that's his end and he knows it. Misery loves company, so he wants to take you down with him. So he will make you think that his end, that his future is your future. His future is hopeless. So now He wants you to think that your future is likewise hopeless. I hear this often almost as a mantra. People say, well, God can do that for someone else. God can help someone else. He can change someone else. He can save them, save their marriage, save their health. He can do that for them, but not me. Now, who put that thought in your head? Can you give me the Bible verse where God said, I'll do it for everybody else, but not you? there's no verse like that. That's a devilish thought. That wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. How many of you have heard of this man named Son of Sam? Anybody heard of that That man? Son of Sam? I got a few nods. Anybody else? No? Son of Sam, his given name was David Berkowitz is a serial killer, was a serial killer back in the 1970s. 1975, I believe he started, 76, 77. He went on a killing spree in New York City, had the entire city in horrible fear. There were eight separate shootings. He killed six people, wounded seven. When they finally caught him in 1977, he admitted to all of the killings. He had left horrible letters behind. I will not even tell you what those letters said, but just mocking the police. It it became a an international phenomenon. At first, before they caught him, he claimed that he was being given orders from a devil that was manifesting in the form of a dog and the dog was owned by his neighbor named Sam. And that is how he got the nickname, Son of Sam. So he said, this neighbor of mine, Sam, He also likened him to Satan and Beelzebub and, and, and. And he said, this little dog comes out and tells me to kill these people. Now, after he got caught, he said, I made all that stuff up. That was just a hoax. I was just trying to scare people. But he did claim to be involved with other, you know, cultish type activities. He was arrested in 1977. I believe in 78, they put him in prison. Six consecutive life terms. They have tried to parole him, but it has never happened. When I was back in America this past furlough, early December, I was able to visit a pastor in Kentucky named Travis Alltop. I highly recommend if you can find his preaching on YouTube. He's a very good preacher. Travis Alltop, that guy, he's a fascinating guy to listen to, talk to. Let me just say, you won't get much talking in. He loves to talk. (laughs) But he's got great stories, so it's okay. He opened up a notebook. It was 12 o'clock midnight. He said, preacher, I got to show you one more thing. he had like seven one more things, but i got to show you this, man. So at 12 o'clock midnight, he opens up a binder filled with letters. He had started corresponding with the son of Sam. Now, to give you a bit of the back story, he went to prison, son of Sam did, in 1978. In 1987, somebody gave him a Bible, one of his fellow inmates. And he got to the verse, Psalm 34, verse 6, Which says, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. And David Berkowitz gave his heart to Christ. And he began to evangelize the other prisoners. He only got like one hour a day around other people, but in that hour... He began to talk to people about Christ. Travis Alltop, this pastor, heard about this and began to correspond with him. This has been going on, I think, since 2016 or 17, writing letters now, what, six years? They write back and forth. He showed me the whole binder filled with letters. And this man, all he can talk about is how lives of these other prisoners are being changed by hearing the gospel. And any money, son of Sam actually wrote a book He doesn't get to keep any of the money. All the money that comes in, he uses it to buy Bibles to send out to people all over the world. He funds evangelism projects. He's busy in prison praying for people, discipling people, preaching the gospel. He is a Bible-believing, soul-winning, dedicated son of God. He even said, no longer should you call me son of Sam, but now you should call me son of hope. If there was ever a man that seemed hopeless, unfixable, destined for the lowest pits of hell, it's a man like David Berkowitz. But even that low down of a man, when touched by the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the word sinks into his heart, even that hopeless man can find hope. Say, I feel completely hopeless. No purpose in even going on. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit in you, friend. That's the work of an unclean spirit. Lastly, he says at the end of the verse, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Well, amen. He got that right. (laughs) Look at there, the devil knows some truth. The devil does. This is no surprise to us. In the Garden of Eden... When you eat the fruit, will you die? Yeah, God said we'll die. No, oh, no, no, you won't die. That's a lie. The devil lied. Father of lies. He said the day you eat of it, you'll become as gods, knowing good and evil. That was true. That's what makes the devil so subtle, so difficult to pin down as he mixes lies and truth. You'd better know your Bible so that you can have some spiritual discernment. To say that thought did not come from the Spirit of God. I can pull down that stronghold. I can take that thought captive and bring it unto the obedience of Christ. What did Christ tell me to think about this and say about this and do about this? I'm going to do it His way according to His Word. I'm not going to let these worldly, fleshly, devilish thoughts run my life. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. My third point is this. The devil will allow you to know the truth as long as you don't do anything about it. The Bible says in James chapter 2, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe also and tremble. This is an example of it, is it not? This devil was obviously afraid, have you come to destroy us? But they knew who Jesus was. He is the Holy One of God. He is the Son of God. They had seen him in his pre-incarnate version. The difference between this devil and hopefully you, the devil knew this truth, but had no intention of ever doing anything about it. He's the Holy One of God. What does that tell us? Jesus, or the Bible says, be ye therefore holy, for he is holy, right? For I am holy. That's what God said. So you know that I'm holy, good. Now you try to match that. This devil knows he's the holy one, but his theology, his knowledge of God is not going to change anything for him personally. The devil has no problem with you coming to church today and hearing the truth. He really doesn't. As long as he can keep you from applying it. You notice Jesus' response. He rebuked him and says, hold thy peace, come out of him. Why? Jesus is not going to allow a devil to testify to the truth about him. Imagine how that could taint his testimony. Right? If other people in the synagogue hear this and and he expounds on it, Jesus goes out in town, I'm the Holy One, I'm the Son of God. Yeah, even devils say that. He doesn't want the truth tainted by a bad testimony. If you're not going to live it, Stop talking about it. Let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Some people live a life. Listen, please, if you're going to keep going down that wicked path you're on, don't tell anyone you're a Christian. Please don't make it more difficult for those of us that are trying. Jesus says, stop right there. Don't say another word, even though what you're saying is true. I don't want that filthy testimony connected to me. This brings to mind a story in the book of Acts. You're familiar with it, I'm sure. Paul is out to preach, Acts chapter 16. And he's going around from place to place proclaiming the truth, the gospel, how to be saved. And the Bible says a a woman with the spirit of divination, an unclean spirit, you know what she does? She doesn't run up to Paul and say, are you here to destroy us? She doesn't give the same reaction. She runs out ahead of him and announces to the whole crowd, "These men have come to show us the way of salvation." It sounded positive, right? It'd be the same as somebody greeting you at the door, "Hey, so Pastor Mike, he's the best preacher, man. You're great. You're so glad you're here. This is... Well, why would we want that person to go? Well, you see, that young lady eventually got on Paul's nerves. You remember how the story ends? Paul commanded that unclean spirit to come out of her. But what was she doing wrong? She was simply bringing attention to the fact that Paul was preaching the way of God and how to be saved. That young lady had no intentions of doing anything about what Paul was preaching. She was simply using Paul, kind of riding his coattails. Everybody in town is listening to him, and he's getting kind of famous, and he's getting a following. So if I can give him some compliments, if I can brag on him a little bit, maybe people in town will view me in the same way they view him, and I can also rise in fame a little bit. And Paul says, I know deep down the intentions of your heart. You have no intention of coming in line with Christ. You have no intention of applying the gospel to your life. You just want to ride the benefits of it. You just want to abuse the consequences of the gospel. So enough with that. And he cuts her off. The truth was not going to change her. So Paul put a stop to it. Just in the case with this devil, Jesus says, enough's enough. Stop talking. I would say this, if you come to the, verse of, to the end of verse 35, the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. Now just think this through with me. What happened next for that man? That man under the influence of that devil had just cry, cried out against Christ. Leave us alone! You're here to destroy us! I know! I mean, he, this is so embarrassing. But now the devil comes out. He's sitting there in his right mind. Can you imagine the peace that came over him? Finally. Who knows how long he'd been bothered by that devil. Now it's decision time. Stop talking. Start deciding. Stop talking. Start acting. Now you know who you're dealing with. No other religious figure could do for you what this man Jesus just did for you. You were just set free. Now what's the decision going to be? You are going to follow him? Or do you just let him walk out of the synagogue and you sit there going, well, that was neat. Now it's decision time. Christian, let me say to you, it's decision time. You say, I've already been saved. Praise God. But this does not exempt you from the spiritual battle. Paul made it very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, we are commanded to put on the whole armor of God. We're not commanded to fear this. We're commanded to deal with it. Not to talk about it, but to act on it. When Paul, I gave you verse 12. Let me give you verse 10. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong. Who can give me the next phrase? In the Lord. And in the power of His might. That's why we have these stories in the Bible to show us just how mighty and how powerful He is. That one little word can fell the devil. One little word of out, done, rise. One word. And Jesus can turn a person's entire life around if they would just submit to that powerful word word so I'm a believer then be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might you can overcome anything the devil throws at you if you submit to God listen submit to God resist the devil and he will flee that's the biblical way to do it submit to God first God I'll do it your way I'll live by your word that's how you resist the devil I will not believe what he's telling me then he flees Say, today, Pastor, I'm here, but I've never actively trusted Christ. I know, I've heard it my whole life. I've heard the truth that Jesus died on the cross. I know Him up here. I know those historical facts. I'm a religious man. Sat in church all my life. That doesn't make you a saved man. Just like this man, after that devil came out, he sat there unharmed, But He has a decision to make, as do you. Today, you can turn to Christ and say, Lord, there's no way I could ever save myself from the punishment I deserve. I am trusting today what You did on the cross to set me free from the penalty and the power of my sin. I'm trusting nothing else but You alone. If you take anything from this story, you take away the power of that Word, His promise, that He hath promised us even eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Let's all stand if you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And they'll play some music softly, and I want to invite you to act on what you've heard. And I mean this, we are not... We're not going to wait a few minutes to try to pressure you into doing something that the Holy Spirit is not asking you to do. But as the music plays, I want you to pray just for a moment and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do with what I just heard? I gave you that list of various devilish behaviors so that you would recognize a connection to our story today. Yes, maybe you do not have such an extreme case like we read here in Luke's gospel, but that doesn't mean you can walk out unaffected by what's going on in the spiritual realm. Say, Pastor, I know the truth, but has it changed you? Are you any different because you know the truth? You mustn't think that every problem in life is related to something spiritual. Sometimes you're sick because you ate bad chicken. But sometimes you're miserable and grumpy and have a bad attitude because you have just been yielding to the devil's influence in your life. And it's time today to acknowledge that say, enough of that. I'm going to yield and submit myself to the Word of Christ. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world now you need to treat him like that don't quote that verse and then walk around in fear of what might be out there before we close in prayer I'm just gonna ask if you're here and you have never been saved that's a biblical word you know that to be saved The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm asking you, friend, have you been saved? That jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? The answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Friend, there's one thing I guarantee the devil doesn't want, and that is for you to be saved. Now, no one's looking around. This is not a pressure technique. I would just simply like to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you. Won't point you out. But would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I don't think I've ever been saved. Please pray for me. You can just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Anybody like that, say, Pastor, there's never been a time that I asked Jesus to save my soul. Just pray for me. All right, I appreciate your honesty on that. Thank you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name because that name does have power. His words, His commands, we recognize that they can straighten our lives out. No matter what deception or confusion or problem the devil wants to throw at us, your word can straighten us out. It protects us. We hide behind it today. Thank you for this special day here at this church to get to celebrate the Lord's Supper and here in a few moments to go to this baptism. It is a privilege and an honor to be involved in these things. Lord, you know the conditions of the hearts in this room today. You know what kind of spirits came with. I pray even as these folks go their separate ways that you would deal with all of us individually Draw us closer. We want to have more to do with you, not less. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.